Well, we've been in a series this month called Done, because we're talking about why Jesus came and what he actually did when he came. How many of you know it's, it's not always so simple, cut and dry as we think? He came for a lot of reasons, and there are things that Jesus accomplished 2,000 years ago when he came that are still producing life in us today. It's, it's an amazing thing when you begin to understand and wrap your mind around what did Jesus actually release to us? What did he give to us? If you think that the only reason Jesus came is so that you could go to heaven one day after you die, you're missing a huge part of the gift. I'm not diminishing heaven. I'm not taking heaven away from you, but that wasn't the primary purpose of the gift. The gift was to get to know him, to experience life here right now. Abundant life is what Jesus said he came to give, and he did that. Every promise that Jesus made, all the things that you were thinking about this morning, even while we were singing those yes and amen promises, every promise that Jesus made to us, everything that we see in scripture that belongs to us, he empowered and released it through the cross. We have the authority now to believe and to hold on to those promises because of what Jesus did. Uh, and if you, if you haven't been here for any of this series, you can find it online. Go listen to it later. But we talked about Jesus came to seek and save that was lost. Come on. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, for seeking and saving us. Uh, he came to elevate those who had been marginalized in life, especially children. And then he said we had to have childlike faith. And last week we talked about that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. How many of you held on to that this week? Like, hey, the devil was trying to work in my life, and I need to say no. Jesus did something on the cross that he came to destroy and set me free from the work of the devil. So that's, that's where we've been in this series. And today, I want to think a little bit about the, the message that we carry and why Jesus came. Are there anybody that you can think of that when you hear their name, it's synonymous with their message. Like you can't think about them without thinking about what they stand for. And some of the people I thought about, and Michael Jordan's up there, you think about basketball and Nike shoes. That's, that's like Michael Jordan all over. Uh, I got an amen on Michael Jordan. That's a, I got a woohoo at least. Uh, I mean, you think about, maybe you think of John Maxwell, and you think, oh, you could never talk to John Maxwell without hearing all about leadership. That's what you're going to get from him. He wrote hundreds of books and talks about leadership all the time. Maybe you see Dave Ramsey up there, and you know his life message is all about money, how to steward your finances, how to be a kingdom person when it comes to the money that comes through your hands. Uh, maybe you like magic. How many of you know that's Penn and Teller? How many of you are okay to admit that in church in a setting? Yeah, the hands went up. Yes. Like you hear them talk, and they talk about how tricks are done and how they perform them and how people get fooled so easily. And then... Uh, out of all the people, as much as I'm kind of a nerd and a geek, when, when they ask that question out of everybody in history, who would you like to have lunch with? And Albert Einstein never comes to my mind. Like, I don't think of that as being a fun and enjoyable and exciting lunch. Maybe it is. I don't know. If you, if you really want to get into the theory of relativity and Einstein was alive to say, hey, let's go have a coffee and a donut and talk about the universe. I don't know. But I picture that. That was his core message. You don't think about Einstein without thinking about math and science. And that's just who he was and what he carried. And those are some famous people. But have you ever met anybody in your life that you just knew what they were passionate about because every time you get together that's what they talk about and they when they, whenever they start talking about it, maybe they lean forward a little bit they, they get on the edge of the seat in their chair or their their voice goes up or they start getting animated their hands start flying everywhere and they can't talk but they can't even control themselves because they're so excited about it it's hard to get them to talk about anything else 
That's somebody who's passionate, who has a message about who they are in life. And whether we believe it or not, we all have things that we get excited about. And I I think if we sat even for 20 minutes, we could probably tell what you were excited about if it came up in the conversation. And we all have that. If you sit down with me, uh, there's been a couple times recently, I like to ride my bike. I go out in the trails a lot. And Pam will look at me finally and say, can we talk about something else besides your bike ride? Come on, we all do things like that. Uh, Daniel, if you want to talk about soccer and see somebody lean forward in their chair and get excited and passionate about something, uh, the boys just started uh, soccer. Eli and Leo were playing, and this was, I'm, I'm assuming this was like May Daniel's month or his year. Leo is running around the field, six years old, and he goes to kick the ball, and he uses his left foot and fired the shot on the goal. And the coach comes up to Daniel, because is anybody else in the room? I've done this. I've had this experience. Has anybody else ever coached five- and six-year-old soccer players? Right. Like, they, trying to get them not to just run in a big cluster the whole way around the field and follow the ball, trying to get them not to kick it in their own goal. Like, there's, there's things that you're just like, oh, you're six. You need to just get the basics down here. And most kids at that age... Yeah, you can tell which is their dominant foot because if the ball's right there and they're not lined up to kick it with that foot, they run all the way around the ball until they can line it up with their right foot. And Leo's dribbling down the field and he just, my left foot was handy, so I shot it with my left foot. The coach comes up to Daniel after the game and says, six years old and he's shooting with both feet? Who taught him that? I think, I think Daniel's jaw muscles almost broke from smiling so big. Like, that's my boy. Like, come on. There's things that we all get excited about, and you can tell it just by having a conversation with somebody. What are they excited about? What's their message? What do they carry? What are they interested in? And believe it or not, Jesus was a real person, and he got excited about some things. And in fact, this is one of the reasons that Jesus came. Jesus came to preach. Mark chapter 1, verse 38 says, But Jesus replied, We must go to the other towns as well, and I will preach to them too. That is why I came. It's pretty clear that this is one of the reasons that Jesus came to earth when right in the text he says, This is why I came. Maybe it's, it's like this picture. Go to that next picture. I picture this being Jesus. I don't know who you are, but I will find you and preach to you. <laughs> Come on, I have a very special set of skills, and I will find you and preach to you. (laughs) Nobody else, come on. Half the people went with me, and half the people were like, that is sacrilegious right there. I know what's what in church. The nerve putting Liam Neeson on the screen. Come on, everybody say preach. Preach. Do you think that the crowds while Jesus was talking, I just had this thought this week. I'm trying to picture Jesus sitting on the mountainside, giving the Beatitudes. Do you think the crowds amened him? Do you think that they were like, preach it, Jesus? They're waving their scrolls at him, like, preach it, Jesus. Yes, they're walking off the hillside like, yeah, Jesus, that's, that's the word. Come on, did they do that or not? I don't know. I, I would love to have seen that, to see how the crowd reacted. Or did they just all sit there so pious and be like, let me analyze what Jesus is saying. I don't know what that looked like, but Jesus came to preach. And that was one of the things that he did. What do you think of when you hear the word preach? Do you think of somebody with polish and personality, somebody who can stand up in front of people and talk, somebody that does a much better job of it than me most often, like the preachers that we think of in life? Is that what you think of? Maybe when you hear the word preach, you think of somebody preaching at you. Have you ever had that experience in life of like, man, this guy's just preaching at me. I wish he'd shut up. 
Come on. These are all things that we think of when we heard the word preach. Do you think of a wild-eyed preacher downtown on a soapbox somewhere? You know, he's carrying his placard of what God hates or doesn't hate or what he wants you to do with his message. We think of that, these crazy-eyed people. Do you think of somebody who's preaching? Do you think that they're a truth teller? There's a lot of people in the world, they hear the word preach, they think the exact opposite. You're trying, you're, you're lying somehow. I haven't figured it out yet, but you're trying to take advantage of me. What do we think of when we heard the word preach? And how does this relate to what's been done by Jesus? When we read that verse that Jesus says, I came to preach, uh, the word preach there in the Greek is actually keruso, and it means to publish, to proclaim openly something which has been done. So when Jesus was preaching, when he says, I came to preach, he came to tell people about what he made available to us. There's something that's already been done. It's settled in eternity, and I'm here to tell you and declare it to you. All you have to do is believe and walk in it. That's the message that Jesus carried. He had a message that he was excited about, and it just came out of him everywhere that he went. I picture Jesus going to preach somewhere, and he did that, leaning forward to tell people, do you know what's available to you? Do you know what I came to give to you, the life that is available for you to walk in right now? That was part of his message. There's a quality of life that you can access now that wasn't available before. may not change your circumstances, but it'll change you. I just picture Jesus being excited about this message. Hey, the door to the kingdom has been opened and it can never be closed. Those are things that Jesus carried and it's done because he came. And then here's part of the excitement. He gave us that message to carry to the world. If you're in this room and you believe in Jesus, you've been given a message to be excited about. Everybody say, I can preach. All right, that was only like half the room. When, when I said say preach, everybody said it because you guys are like, yeah, you're talking to Pastor Chris. Yeah, preach, preach, Pastor Chris. But when we think I can preach, that gets a little dicey. We're not so sure or confident about that. What does that mean I can preach? Do I, am I a preachy person? We start thinking all those things, and it simply means to share about what's already been done. That's all Jesus is asking right. from you today. Just share with somebody, what has he done in your life? What have you experienced that's so good that you would never trade it for anything? What has Jesus given to us? That should be pretty easy. Come on. We, we might not know all the addresses of all the Bible verses or, oh, what's the Romans road again? I got to share with somebody. How about just talk about what Jesus has done in your life? That should be some place we could all start at. And if we're not sure what he's done, maybe we need to go back and take a closer look. Because I think Jesus is always at work. Whether we realize it or not, he's doing something in our lives and on our behalf. So Jesus came to preach. In fact, in Matthew, the first thing that Matthew records Jesus doing after he came out of the temptation in the wilderness, he comes back, he finds out, oh, John the Baptist got arrested. How was your time in the wilderness, Jesus? Like whatever they're saying to him, this is the very next thing it records. It says in Matthew four seventeen, from then on, Jesus began to preach Repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. From then on, says John the Baptist got arrested. Jesus had just come out of the wilderness, heard the news. John the Baptist is in jail. Uh, John the Baptist, if you're willing to study it a little deeper, he represents the fullness of the old covenant. Everything about the law and Moses and the prophets that they had believed up till that point got put in prison. And then Jesus began to preach a new message. 
So anyway, you can go study that later. But this is what Jesus preached everywhere that he went. Repent of your sins, turn to God, the kingdom of heaven is near. Everybody say it's easy as one, two, three. It really is as easy as one, two, three. Look at this. This was the message that Jesus carried that he got excited about, that he preached everywhere he went. The first thing in his message was repent of your sins. Come on, everybody say repent. That means change your mind. I believed, I used to do those things. I used to think they were fun, they were enjoyable. I have had an experience with Jesus where I no longer believe that that's the life I should live. I'm leaving those things behind and I'm going a different direction. I'm going to come into agreement with God about how I should live. Can I tell you, don't stop at the message about sin. If you only tell people to stop doing something, it won't be that effective. Have you ever had that experience? Maybe you got kids and you tell them, don't touch that. What do they do? It's, it's like a time bomb. They're sitting in the chair. I got to touch that now. Dad said not to touch it. I got to touch it. Come on, that's what happens. There's something, Scripture says the law actually provokes rebellion. If all we do is stop at the message of don't do that, all it does is awaken in people like, I got to do that. I don't know why, but there's something in me now that says I have to do that. I got to experience it for myself. Come on, we try to tell our kids. That's, as a parent, your sincere hope is that, man, I hope my kids can learn all these lessons so they don't have to walk through those mistakes themselves. But if all we ever do is say, don't do that, they're going to be like, well, why not? I'm going to do it and find out why they told me not to. Mm-hmm. Don't eat that apple, Adam. Why not? Huh? Why is God telling me not to do that? There must be something good about it. We have to move beyond that. And that's what Jesus did. In his message, he said, repent from your sins. And what's the very next thing it said in that verse? Turn to God. Come on, there is something that we turn from. We leave our life of sin behind, but we have to complete the turn by turning to God. There has to be something about him that awakens such a desire in us that, hey, I, I would never think about that stuff in my past again because he's so amazing. It's always easier to leave something behind if there's something greater in front of you. If, if you want me to leave a $5 bill behind, because you're giving me a $20 bill, that's a no-brainer. In fact, we could practice that after church. If you want to see if that is a truth, is that really work, Pastor Chris? I will leave behind a $5 bill if you're giving me a 20 <laughs> And it's, some of you are like, okay, and you're laughing because you know like, there is nothing in these pockets right now. There's not even a $5 bill in there to leave behind. Like, what are you going to leave? What are you really going to leave behind, Pastor Chris? Come on. If there's something in front of us that's greater, it's easier to leave stuff behind. And God, we need to repent from our sins and turn to God because he's more glorious. He's better than anything that we could ever indulge ourselves in. If we want people to see the fruit of repentance in their lives, we will paint them a picture of a glorious God. There needs to be something. Do you know how good Jesus is? He's such a savior. He's such a lover of my soul. He's such a forgiver. I've experienced so much mercy. There's peace in his life. There's things that we should be talking about that paint this picture of Jesus that people begin to say, wow, I want to leave behind what I'm doing because I want that in my life. And I don't know about you, but if I continue to return to the sinful habits in my life, maybe my vision of God needs to expand. Maybe I need to go back and say, hey, 
Let me go back to this relationship that is real and see him for who he is. Do, does it help me to picture him on his throne in glory with all the angels around? Does it help me to picture him as a friend who walks right beside me, that sees everything I've done and still puts his arm around me and loves me? I don't know what picture of Jesus you need to expand in your head, but that is part of the answer to being able to return to repent from our sins and leave them behind is to turn to God. And that was part of Jesus' message. Repent from your sins, turn to God. And why? Because the kingdom of heaven is near. That, that was the last thing Jesus said. It says he began to preach, and that was his message. Repent from your sins, turn to God. The kingdom is near. The kingdom is a way of living and being that perfectly aligns with God's will. That's, to me, that's a simple definition. It's what does God want? Okay, that's what happens in his kingdom. He's the king. He makes the rules. When we see his rule and reign happening in our lives, when things line up the way God wants them, you could say, oh, the kingdom has come. I've experienced that kingdom life that he opened the door to. That's part of his message. Repent, turn to God. The kingdom is at hand. Jesus opened the door to it. And in fact, if you study the course of Jesus's ministry, it went from preaching the kingdom is near to by the time he was done, the kingdom is within you. He said, I've opened a door that no man can shut. He he actually told the the Pharisees at one point, hey, sinners and tax collectors, they're forcing their way into the kingdom faster than you guys. Because they began to believe Jesus' message when he preached to them and talked about what was available in the life that was there. That was the core of his message. And God's kingdom doesn't come through natural means, through systems and structures and laws that we could put in place. Come on, God's kingdom isn't going to come because of what lever you pull in the voting booth. I got two rights in the room. And the rest, the rest of you are thinking, there's no levers anymore. It's a touch screen or you fill out the paper and... Whatever, whatever method you use to vote, that's not going to cause God's kingdom to come. God's kingdom comes when his people who are filled with his spirit get passionate about something. When there's a message that so burns inside of us that we begin to say, I have to preach. There's a fire shut up in my bones that I have to let it out somewhere. I got to begin to talk about how good God is and what he's done for me. That's when we start to see the kingdom. Not, not when we get preachy, but when we preach. Come on, how many of you know there's a difference in that? Don't, don't leave the sermon today and go beat people up with the Bible this week and say, well, pastor told me to preach at them. No, pastor said, talk about what God's doing in your life and just share his goodness with somebody. The kingdom really was the core of Jesus' message. If you study out scripture and the way to access it is repent from your sins and turn to God. See him for who he is and believe that he's going to start to move in your life. That's what Jesus came to preach. Uh, In fact, he gave an example. This is what kingdom preaching produces. Uh, When he was publicly declaring what he came to do, what he came to preach, why he was there, uh, Jesus was staying in the synagogue one day. They handed him the the scroll of Isaiah, and this is what he read to them in Luke chapter 4. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach the good news. Come on, there's part of his calling. I'm here to preach. It's why I came. It's why I've been anointed. He anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Come on, we were singing part of that this morning. We were declaring favor. 
over our lives, over our communities, over our families. We were declaring the blessings of God. He came to preach the good news to the poor. Come on, the people that couldn't earn it. How many of you could earn salvation in this room? No hands are going up because we know that. You can't earn it. You can't buy it. You can't earn enough money to to purchase it. Jesus came to release it to us. He came to preach good news to the poor. He came to give freedom to us who were bound by sin. Come on, Galatians 3.22 actually says we were all prisoners of sin at one point. There was a time in our life, some of us can't remember back that far, but maybe we need to, where we had no choice but to sin. Come on, there was a point in our life where we were sinners. We were bound to sin and we couldn't do anything else. There were no other options until Jesus came and said, here's my grace. You can leave that life behind. You don't have to do that anymore. There's a, you have another option now because of what I'm releasing to you. He came to give sight to the blind, those who were groping around in darkness in life. It, it, who knows somebody right now that the way they're living their life, you're, you're just thinking they're like a blind person stumbling around in their living room like the lights are out and they're hitting the, all the furniture. They don't know what's going on in life. They're just going from here to there. Jesus came to give sight to those people so that we didn't have to go through life in darkness. Hmm. Man, I'm going to take a second. Can we just pray right now for Jane's sister, Nikki? They're, they're in the middle of getting bad news. I, I'm, what's going on? She's in the hospital. They're taking her off of life support. Let's just pray for her. Her name's Nikki. We're going to pray right now. Lord Jesus, we just lift Nikki up to you. Lord, you are the only one that can come and intervene in this situation to release your goodness. Lord, we just ask that you would surround her right now in that hospital room. Whatever's happening with the family that's there, whatever decisions are being made right now, Lord, come and be present in the middle of all of it. Release your peace, your comfort, your healing, everything that they need from you right now. All these things that we're talking about this morning, Lord God, the kingdom of God, uh, we ask that you would release that here on earth in the middle of this situation in Jane's family right now. Mm. Yeah, Jesus. That's why the world needs us. To not just be talkers about it, to not just be sitting in a Sunday morning and, yay, Jesus. They need us to be people that preach, that live a kingdom life, that, that produce the fruit and the evidence of what Jesus came to release in this place. Man, there's... The rubber meets the road when, you're, when your neighbor says, hey, my husband's dying, or whatever's going on in your life, hey, my family's falling apart, or we're hard hard times. They need us to have a message of hope and life for them. Mm, thank you, Jesus. Jesus came to preach favor. Favor. It's, come on, it started the night that he was born, and the angels came and announced, glory to God in the highest. Peace on earth, goodwill towards men upon whom his favor rests. Come on, Jesus, he is the judge of all the earth, but he came not with a message of judgment, but a message of favor. Look what God has done for you. He wants to have a relationship with you. When Jesus read that passage from Isaiah, he stopped right there. I've come to proclaim the year of the favor of God. If you read Isaiah, that sentence doesn't stop. It says, the year of the favor of God and the day of vengeance of our God, the day of judgment. He didn't read that part. Jesus stopped with, I've come to declare favor. 
I think that's part of the message we need to carry. What comes out of our mouth? Is it favor and proclaiming life over people, telling them what God has done? Or are we being vengeful and judgmental in what we release in our words? Woo! Jesus says, I've been anointed to preach. And if that's what the Holy Spirit empowered Jesus to do, and he is our example, why would we think the Holy Spirit would be poured out upon us for any other reason? Oh, he makes me feel good. I know I'm saved. The the hair on my neck stands up. Oh, it's so wonderful to be in worship. He anointed us to preach. Same reason that the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus and anointed him to preach. He's anointed us for that also. Uh, This is the last verse I want to read to you today. He sent his 12 disciples out, and I believe he still sends us out with this message and this commission today. Matthew 10, verse 7. As you go, preach this message. So I'm going to say that as we go today, preach this message. It says, The kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. And he says, as you go, this message follows us wherever we go. This message is not hey, you got to come with me on Sunday morning to hear the message. The message goes with us wherever we go. And it says, as you go, preach. And the type of preaching that Jesus calls us to do doesn't just involve talking at people or trying to convince them of a good argument. It produces evidence. He says, hey, you're going to heal the sick. Maybe physical sickness. It may be somebody that's sick in their soul that needs healing to come to them. I don't, I don't know what it is, but Jesus said that's part of the message. As you're, as you're declaring what I've done, you're going to see this fruit and this evidence. And he says, freely give it away to the people around you. Don't expect people to earn it because we didn't earn it. I think there's, there's some people in the world that the attitude, whether, whether people say it or not, the attitude is, well, Jesus would save you if you were a better person you stop doing that action maybe you'd be ready to be saved he says just freely give it away stop waiting for people to earn it don't think that they have to do something to get in a position where they're ready to hear it just begin to carry this message wherever we go this is the, the action item is simple this week if you can guess what it's going to be thank you for that there you go the action item this week is preach come on one more time everybody say preach, preach. and i I believe we can do it, that when we leave this place, we carry a message that all we do is talk about what Jesus has done in our lives and see what it begins to produce in the people around us. So uh, let's go ahead and stand together this morning. I'll give you a little more direction in a second, but I'm going to ask God to just to remind us of what we're talking about in this moment and give us opportunities to do just what we've talked about. Uh, can I just ask, as a, as a short survey, how many of you are thankful that someone at some point in life shared the gospel with you? All right, almost 100% hands. How many of you know that you could be that person that somewhere, someday, somebody's raising their hand church saying, I'm so thankful that they shared the gospel with me, that they, that they opened their mouth, that they loved me enough to tell me how good God was in their life? I'm going to pray for those opportunities for us to be in places and situations where all we have to do is open our mouth and talk about this is how good God is and see what he's going to do in those situations. Father, we come before you right now 
desiring to be those people that carry good news everywhere that we go. And Lord, I ask that as we leave this moment, as we leave this place, that you would send us and put us in situations in peop- with people and in places this week where all we have to do is open our mouth and say, do you know how good God is? Let me tell you about what he's done for me. Let me tell you about who I used to be or where I used to be and where he's brought me to. Lord, give us those opportunities. And I, I just thank you, God. Man, I was thinking about whether to share this later in a a month or so, but one of the words that we had spoken over the church recently um, was that God was going to begin to lift the shadow of intimidation and reluctance over our people in our church towards sharing their faith. And and I just believe that we're we're walking in that season right now where if you've never ever told anybody how good God is, you're going to have opportunities to do that. And God's going to remove any anxiety, any trepidation you've had about, oh, I don't know if I could really say that. How are they going to react? I don't know them that well. God's going to remove all that junk and just give us opportunities to speak. So, Lord, we say yes to that. Whatever that looks like, Lord, in whatever situation we find ourselves, we're going to say, yes, Lord, use us. Fill our mouth with your words. Let us be reminded of scenes and circumstances in our lives where we've seen you move and we've seen your goodness. And just let us speak about those things. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord, that you saved us and you've given us the ability and the call to preach. Whether, whether we want to call it that or not, you've given us the ability to declare what you've already done. And if you're, if you're in this room or you're watching online right now and you've never started a relationship with Jesus, all, all these things that we've been talking about and sharing this morning, the goodness of God and his mercy and his love and his joy, they are available for you. And it comes by believing. By just believing in your heart, Jesus, you are the Son of God. You died on the cross for me and you rose from the dead. If you believe that, Scripture says in Romans that you are saved. If you want to make that real today and you've never done it before, I invite you to come up and see one of us at the front after service. We'd love to pray with you, love to give you some more information about what it means to follow Him. Maybe you know from experience, maybe that it's easy to get saved. Sometimes it's harder to walk it out and to actually live as a follower of Jesus. And that's part of why we need each other. That's why we're in this room today, because we need each other to walk through this life. And so if that's you, come see us after service. We'd love to introduce you to Jesus and see what it means to be a Christian. Lord, I'm just going to echo one more time your blessing that you declared over us, your favor that's upon us. Lord, even as we sang it earlier, we thank you for those promises that you've spoken over our lives, the life that you came and laid down so that we could live. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord Jesus. Bless us indeed, Lord, as we go from this place. Thank you for your goodness, your favor upon our lives. Thank you, Lord, for using our lives to be a testimony for you. We honor you now in Jesus' name.